Welcome back to this, the final regular season episode of the North and Gold podcast. I am Benji. You can find me on Twitter at Alaskutan. And I am Jake, and you can find me at Twitter at the Mighty Alaskan Ute. And, uh, you know, we're, we're both kind of at polar opposites today. We were just talking before the show started. He's drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper. I'm drinking <laughs> a regular Dr. Pepper. And then, unfortunately, after the way this last weekend went, I'm on, I'm on cloud nine with my football team. And Benji's on cloud. What, what's the opposite of cloud, cloud nine? It's probably cloud one, unless we start at like cloud ten thousand. You know, like <laughs> if lower is good, I'm way way up there. But if if the higher cloud is good, I don't know. I'm not. I'm on terra firma. I'm standing on the ground right now. There's no clouds. <laughs> you are. There's no. Yeah, no clouds in your world. So let's. Yes. let's you know, we've started with Utah recently a lot, just because of what's going on, but. Let's let's dive right in with your Cougs, man. Let's 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 talk about this and put it uh, this let's way. Just, let's just go. Let's get BYU out of the way because we don't. Nobody wants to listen to BYU. Let's get it out of the way. All right. So here's the here's the situation. You're on a road trip. You're going from Salt Lake City to St. George. All right. You with me? Kids in the back seat are just uh, they're they're crazy. They're fighting now. You and your wonderful wife. You've you've planned ahead of time and you got all of their favorite snacks. And you and you planned like five hours worth of snacks, right? And and the kids have access to them. And by the time you get to uh, let's say Nephi, which is what maybe uh, forty five minutes, an hour, no traffic. That's about an hour into the trip. They are it depends fighting. Depends on where you're starting from. If you're starting from Bountiful, it's about yeah, about an hour and fifteen minutes. Okay. If you're starting from Salt Lake, you're you're under an hour. Yeah. So so you get to that point in the trip, and the kids are fighting. So like crazy, like worse than ever. And so you take away all of their treats and you say the only way you can have these back again is if we make it from here to St. George and you don't fight anymore. And you know what? It works. They start behaving. They don't fight with each other. They're not calling each other names. They're getting along. Everything's great. You're having a peaceful time. You're having a pleasant conversation. You're learning things. You know, the son comes up with an interesting question, you're driving, your wife will Google it, figure it out, and you have this cool conversation going, and you feel like, wow, this is, our family's awesome, you know, and everything's great. And by the time you get to Cedar City, you say, all right, kids, you've earned them back. You, I'm impressed. You, you've earned these treats back, and you give them all back to them, and they eat them all right away. Like, they eat six hours worth in, like, five minutes. You're la- you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, man. This is like a, Whatever, a story out of the enzyme. This is like a Whatever's a story halfway between Cedar City and St. George, you're not even to St. George yet, and they are fighting worse than ever, and you've got nothing left. You've, you've already, they've eaten all of their treats. And that, my friends, is 2019 BYU football. I feel like <laughs> we, we were doing okay, and then we had inexcusable losses, and everybody felt like, oh, man, we're coaching for our jobs. We're playing for our coaches' jobs. Everything's great. And then you know what? Hey, you guys got it together. Your Boise State's only loss? You demolished Utah State? Like, things are awesome. You're putting together perfect games, and everything is awesome. Hey, here's your reward. And then what do you do? What do you do? Good grief. I, I'm just going to rattle off everything wrong real quick because we don't have to analyze but, this game. Before you get to okay, that. Okay, go ahead. So the, the point I get from your story is by the time you get to Leeds, Utah, all chaos breaks loose. Yes. Because that, that's, that's, yes. that's about halfway between St. George and Cedar City. Once you get to little old Leeds, Utah, game over, man. You're, you're screwed. So I'm, I'm going to know that from next time. Next road trip I take to St. George, I'm going to pack enough <laughs> snacks to get past Leeds. 
to get, to get all the way to the destination. Because you look at the kids and you'd say, okay, I've got no more bargaining chips. You guys ate them all. And all you can do is give them a guilt trip and say, remember how awesome it felt two hours ago? Remember how we were all smiling? Remember this? Remember this? Why don't you want that just for the sake of having that? Come on, kids, get it together. And the older responsible ones, they'll feel guilt and they'll say, yeah, dad's right. But the younger, I mean, it just, it's frustrating. Anyway, I, I felt is, like I can see how that'd be frustrating, man. You're you're, you're so in many... Parowan. You're reading out of the Book of Helaman. Everyone's like, you know what? You do build your foundation on that rock. Your family's got their arms around each other. Everyone's singing. Everything's great. And boom! By leads, they're fighting again, man. Yeah. Oh, garbage. Zach Wilson. I don't know if he should have been in the game, and I don't know if that's necessarily on him. His throws weren't where they have been but he's had a hand injury on his throwing hand. And so you say, okay, that excuse is there, but somebody more responsible than him needs to make that decision. If he's not 100%, we've seen that we have a stable of quarterbacks that can do just fine. And so there's no reason to rush him back if he's not 100%. The one thing I would say, though, is if they are saving Baylor Romney's red shirt because he's only been in four games and they're saying no matter what, we're not touching him. We're maybe a little uneasy about Jaron Hall. That's maybe a logic they could use. But I've said before, you don't hold people back in the red shirt year because BYU fans of all people should know you can't count on a guy his freshman, sophomore year to be like, oh, we really meet, we need to make sure we protect him for four years because we turn on them by the time they're a junior anyway. We've benched experienced quarterbacks for more promising younger quarterbacks year after year after year after year. So why worry about a red shirt now? I'd say play who is the best right now. And I don't know if that's the case, but but that's the only argument you can make to say, yeah, we're going to stick with him all game no matter what. Uh, so, frustrating. So is, is Baylor, so you say he, he has only played in four games? Is that I believe so. True, huh? I believe I believe that we if he doesn't get another snap that he could count this as a redshirt year. And, and it doesn't seem that way cuz he's played like complete games, you know, it hasn't just been a play here or there to to test the waters. Yeah. He's played full games, but but that would be cool, you know, and th- that's the thing I'm really interested in seeing this offseason. Do we offer him a scholarship? I think we absolutely do. I think that's got to be one of the first moves to say, "Okay, you're no longer a walk-on. You are there available even if Zach Wilson's the guy for the next 2 years." You've got, you know, if we keep his red shirt, you've got two years beyond that. And and I like that. You know, even if we don't get amazing recruits the next few years, Baylor's awesome. You know, he's he's played good games against good teams. He has solid wins under his belt. He, he has a top 25 win but under his belt. So that's an awesome thing for him. Um, O-line, they'd, I'd, I'd said before, despite their inexperience and stepping up for injured players, they've done awesome. They didn't do awesome. They did terrible. Zach Wilson, and then you can't put it all on him. He wasn't getting the time. He wasn't getting the protection. He kept rolling out. He turned to his left, turned to his right, and he turned right into somebody, and it just it looked terrible. And then the other thing that makes me really wonder, uh, McChesney, zero touches. And after the game, Kalani said, yeah, he was ready to go. I don't know why he, got in, why he didn't get any looks. And it's like, wait, Kalani, you're the guy saying that. You, you said that. You're the guy who gets to decide these things, aren't you? And so I, it makes me really suspicious that behind the scenes there's stuff going on. And, and I just threw out this hypothetical in thinking about it. Maybe Kalani has looked at his guys that he's preparing to part ways with in the offseason and said, all right, I'll give you guys one more chance. Show me what you can do. And, you know, it's like we reverted. We reverted. This was the same bad BYU that we've seen two or three times this year. And it's like there's no reason to revert back to that. Because, again, just like the children, you guys know what winning feels like. It's fun. 
Why don't you do the same things you were doing just a few weeks ago? You can do this. And that's the most frustrating thing in sports is the teams that we love, we don't judge them based on the complete picture. As, as a fan, as someone who loves them, you judge them based on their potential and what you've seen them capable of doing. And that's not necessarily fair because you're saying, I expect your best consistently. And none of us performs our best consistently at anything. I'm not the best husband every day. I can be, a, 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 and I'd like to think I'm a decent husband, but there's times I go above and beyond and I'm pretty amazing, but not every day. I don't have that kind of energy. And and same thing with each of our jobs, everything. And, and so it's hard when we look at our teams, but you can't help but feel that way and say, I know what you're capable of. I gave you all your treats. Come on. I got nothing. Yeah, so so uh, a couple things. So you say, you know, they know what winning feels like. Why don't we do what we did a few weeks ago? So what specifically did they do differently other than not play well? Did they have a different game plan? Were they not as fo- – I mean, what did they do differently in this game that made them come out and, and basically roll over? Because three points against anybody is not good, you know. But against – Yeah. I mean, San Jose State's a good team. They're a good team. But they're not a great team. I mean, you scored more against USC, Utah, and Washington, who are all better than San Diego State, right? So what did what did they do differently right. that they didn't do, or what did they not do this last weekend that they've done differently the previous weeks? So this is what's frustrating, and I'll I'll answer this when people say what causes cavities. The answer is multifactorial, and that prompts a 10-minute speech from me about everything that causes cavity and, and everything. It's not one thing. There is multifactorial. It's multifaceted as he drinks his Dr. Pepper with sugar in it. Um, stick with diet, Dr. Pepper, folks, and, and even that you sparingly. Um, no, there's, there's a lot of things that, that they did differently. To me, um, they didn't – so the obvious, the low-hanging fruit is that Zach Wilson was in and not a healthy Zach Wilson, in my opinion, was in. And so uh, a very, very low IQ football fan would look at that and be like, all right, run Zach out of town. We got the other guys we're sticking with. And I don't think it's that simple. That's one of the factors, though, is that he was there and he was – sometimes he just tries to do too much, which you love about him and sometimes you hate about him. Uh, other thing you would see in the entire team that they would give up on plays where rather than you know gang tackling and everybody running towards the guy with the ball, they'd sit back and be like, oh, that guy's got him. you know. And it's just those it's, – it's what I've been harping on all year, the little things that take discipline to say, okay, if the team shows up and if the team is motivated, you feel the energy that they will win this game. And you're right, San Diego State – if this was like week one or two or three, we'd say, hey, this is a good defense. This Maybe we shouldn't feel so bad about this. Only Weber State, which we love Weber State, you know, but they're FCS. Only Weber State scored less points on this defense than BYU. Only Weber State. They scored zero. BYU scored three. Every other opponent that San Diego State faced did better than our offense did against them in terms of points. Now, in terms of yardage, they didn't do bad, but I hate looking at things that way and saying, okay, well, BYU outgame. I mean, it's, it, you could make the same argument with uh, Utah versus USC. Every other facet of the game, Utah won. Points, they didn't win against USC. And that's exactly how this game was, San Diego State, and that's why it's so incredibly frustrating is we played a poor game. We produced enough yards, and we did enough that we could have won had a couple other things gone our way, and they didn't. 
And it's and the thing is, I'm not saying we should have won. I'm not, I'm not by any means saying we should have won. The way our effort, our preparation, uh, the way the team looked. No, I don't think we deserve to win. But we still could have because I feel like talent wise, we're that much better that we could have laid an egg and come out of there with a victory had things gone just a little bit differently. But man, it's frustrating because there's no reason this shouldn't have been equally as dominant as BYU versus Utah State. You know, that's our potential. Our potential is blow these guys out of the water, and it's frustrating that it, that that team didn't show up. Yeah, because if I recall, didn't Utah State actually beat San Diego State at San Diego State? Right? They're one of their one of their. I losses. believe so. Yeah. So I've got I've got a yep. few questions that I've I've thought of as you've gone along. First of all, tell me what happened to the old Jake the Make. At the start of the year, he was like everyone's oh, dream boy with a kicker. Everyone's like, finally, we got a Matt Gay or or Andy Phillips type kicker, Jake the Meg, Swole Droid, all kinds of nicknames. He was kind of approaching rock star status. And I and I watched yeah. the last half of it because I got home for the Utah game. I turned on, watched the last half, and I saw the other guy kicking, uh, Southam, right? Um, yeah, yeah, saw Southam. Him Southam. Kicking. So what, what happened What happened to Jake the Meg? That, that's another one where we all look at that and think, I, I don't know. I And that's where I'm going to say the coaching staff has access to these players in much greater detail than I do. So that'd be a great question for Kalani. Um, and, and maybe someone's asked him. I, I've kind of tuned out on the team since since that. Normally after a big win, you listen to the entire postgame show and you read everything, you listen to everything. I've, I've got, and this isn't a good excuse as a podcast host, but i got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. Um, but I, hey, I mean, it's, he, it's cathartic, man. That's how it is after losses. It's You're so it invested is, it is. that you, you de- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, you, you, you're so invested, you uninvest yourself because you don't want the yeah. emotional pain, right? I know how it goes, yeah. Divest myself of all things. No, I love this team. I still love this team, and I love like, like I love the fact that my little two-year-old is just as enthusiastic as anybody. He'll come running in the room and yell BYU, and it's like the coolest family tradition and all that. So by no means am I giving up on the team, but you're right. It's not worth like getting into the nitty-gritty of finding out exactly what I think uh Hans Olsen on Twitter he had a breakdown Hans we call him Hans in America I speak German too so sometimes I call him Hans in my head Hans Olsen broke down uh all these little different things and it was just like man there's a list of a dozen things that was for sure one of them uh six of his last 10 I want to say he's six for his last 10 and and that's not bad if they're all like 40 50 yard plus he's just straight up six of his last 10 field goals that you know are a normal range of field goals and that's not acceptable and so I don't fault the coaching staff for saying hey something's got to change and if they have meetings with him and conversations with him and feel like hey we got to go a different direction at least for this game uh then that's great and then you know it it, it didn't work out yeah, the, Skyler's. I saw that the new guy miss he missed two, right? Did yeah, the two, two very saw. makeable. Now they were they were from the in college when you're off on the the hash mark. You know it it can be a weird angle, but this is what you do. You got to be used to that. You got to be able to compensate for that. So they they were makeable kicks. They were very makeable okay. kicks. So now the, 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 two the bigger, funny the thing two. on that though, Jake the Make, like we, Greg Rubel gave him that nickname, Jake the Make, because really he had some impressive long distance field goals. So we started calling that, and then someone asked him about it. And he's like, "No, I don't like that." And then it it was kind of he set himself up to be the punching bag there, saying, "I don't like the name Jake the Make," and then starts missing them all. So it's like, "All right, what do we call uh, him now?" He's anyway. messing with karma, man. He's messing with he karma. Was. Okay, so the the two uh, the two bigger lingering things. What about? Your quarterback situation next year, and the elephant in the room, the the chosen one, Zach Wilson, who in the offseason everyone was just 
pump it up because he went 18 for 18 in the bowl game last year. His mom inserted himself herself in the conversation. She became part of the BYU family and pushing for changes, and everyone's loving her. And now it's like, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? You got three quarterbacks who all got time. Three of them showed flashes. Um, they're all freshmen. Now what? What do you do going forward? Uh, you try and manage them as a group, you know, and, and I'm okay with – I love uh, – a great example of this is from your own team, uh, Fotheringham, the tight end. He he was the uh, the touted one preseason, and no one had ever heard of Keithy, and things have kind of switched gears where Keithy's getting all the looks and Fotheringham. Someone just said, oh, man, I hope he doesn't transfer, and suddenly his dad jumps in and says, hey, this is who he is, and starts talking about the team-first mentality, how he played quarterback and, and could have transferred somewhere else, but instead of transferring, he said, I'll be a tight end so I can help the team, and suddenly he's a great tight end. And and that's what I would love. That's ideal. You want that out of every member of the team to say, it's not about me, it's about the team. Obviously, with quarterbacks, they're a little bit, sometimes you get some prima donna mentality, and it doesn't always work that way. But that's what I would love, because we've got three capable, talented proven quarterbacks on this roster that that it makes me a lot less worried my my biggest worry is are there going to be personality conflicts are there going to be egos battling and is somebody going to say nah it's me or else I'm out of here and and if that happens as a manager you know just managing humans you say get rid of the guy that says it's me or I'm out of here because that's not the attitude you want in your locker room and so I'm interested to see what happens there uh but really I'm not too worried if all three of them have a full off season to be healthy to get their reps to get experience we're going to be in good hands no matter what ends up happening. Uh, I don't think it's a cut-and-dried, clear choice. He's our guy. But by default, you'd say, well, he was before. He obviously earned that somehow. Unless there's a real obvious reason to get away from him, let's not get away from him. And and this is why it just sucks right now because I can just feel – I can just imagine the pressure that's on the coaches saying, okay, well – if it is this situation of we really don't want to play Baylor because we want to keep that red shirt, Jaron gets his head hurt and he's out and unreliable, and Zach's only about eighty percent. It's like there's no matter what you choose, someone's going to criticize you. Yeah, no, that's that's the nature of it. Okay, last last thing before we transition to the Utes, the big right. thing is uh, before this game, everyone was flying high with Kalani Sataki's extension, winning streak, etc. Now, how how you feeling about that whole thing? Uh, my hope is that he matures through the years and figures it out. I mean, I think you were talking about that. Like uh, Kyle Whittingham has had similar issues early on as a head coach. Uh, what I hope is, again, it's just like a this, this kid analogy, I'm just going to keep coming back to. You know, as a six-year-old and a ten-year-old and a twelve-year-old, you're gonna you're gonna revert back to your fighting stages just because that's what kids do. But as you get older. Most of us mature and grow out of that. Those of us that just get sucked into reality TV and worship the Kardashians, we just keep fighting because that's what we love to do. But uh, most of us mature out of that little petty fighting and get to a point where we can have a pretty enjoyable, pretty smooth road trip consistently. And this guy, that's, uh, that's what I'm expecting is that uh, Kalani can reflect back on the season, say, here are five things that went wrong that I never want to have happen again. Here are five things that went right, and we're going to incorporate them from day one every year. And if if they can do that, if they can say, all right, let's take what works and embrace it and never look back, then great. Uh, they haven't proven that yet. you know. So that's a little bit of me being overly optimistic. That's kind of my dream scenario. I don't know if it'll work out that way, but that's what I would like to see. The, this is a road trip theme podcast, man. We're talking road trip with the snacks on the way down. Road trip with Kalani Sataki's yeah. 
career arc. Dude, One thing's for sure, now, though, is... Is, uh, I, I gotta say, I love road trips. So being uh, up, stuck up here in Alaska, we can't go visit like all the other national parks and everyone else down there. But we're like one of the places in Alaska that's on the highway system. You, when you lived in Alaska, you couldn't do road trips. You had to do like boat no. trips and plane trips. We'd, yeah, we do because in, in Juneau, there's no road in or out. So like when my girlfriend and I would take a drive and be let's drive to the end of the road, which is like 20 miles out. You know, past yeah. Auk Bay. That was that was our thing. We drive till the road ended, and then we drive back, and that was our our drive. You know, it's fun. But anyway, la- last thought is you you've uh, you're one for for good or for better or worse. You've you've made the choice to to lie in the Kanilani Sataki bed with that extension. So you got to hope it turns around because you can't yeah. let him go now after you extended him one game ago, right? Right, right. No, and especially going into next year, you can't throw a brand new head coach at. Next year's schedule, um, he's the guy. I think if of if you were to consider the entire eligible coaching pool and say, "All right, dream scenario, who do you want?" I'd still take Kalani because I think no matter who else you throw into that, you can't throw them with these players into that schedule and say, "Good luck." You know, I think Kalani has the best chance of anybody on earth at succeeding next year, and and yeah, I give you, it a fifty-fifty chance. But I don't. I think fifty-fifty is the best. You can't start over with anybody now at this point next year because then you're mm. implementing a new system, new culture, blah blah blah. And he, he, at least he's got the ground roots, you know, the the, the ground roots built, that's the culture built, and maybe right. you can just tweak it and get it ready for next year's schedule. All right, yeah. well, back to uh, that cloud was, nine. That was fifteen shall we? minutes. <laughs> say that was fifteen minutes more than I wanted to talk about BYU. I apologize to all the Ute fans. You've been very patiently. I actually want to talk about Utah more than I want to talk about BYU this episode. So let's let's jump into the exciting part of the episode. Cloud nine. We uh, wrapped up, as you know, our regular season this last weekend with another dominating victory, finished 11-1, and and clinched the South title at home. However, it wasn't as easy as I had hoped that game was. That first quarter was super, super stressful. We couldn't move the ball. I, I, I saw a stat mm. that said all year we the most three and outs we've had in the game is three all year, and we had our first three drives were three and outs against, against Colorado. And they were moving the ball a little more than I thought they would. It was super stressful, 7 nothing at the end of the first quarter. But finally, second quarter, the Utes that had been playing all year kicked in, and uh, and we we rolled and won big. And the player of the game is the best player in the history of college football, Brant Keithy. He's going to win nice. three Heismans this year, next year, and the year after. He's uh yeah. like you said like you said a minute ago we talking about he just he emerged out of nowhere and and I I kind of couch that a little bit because he had a decent year last year he was ranked pretty high in like pro football focus grading and he was on kind of the same par as Fotheringham but Fotheringham was considered the the starter going into this year and Keithy's just come out of nowhere and he's he's it's unbelievable I've never seen a tight end with his skill set have you ever seen a team run fly sweeps with the tight end. Uh, it's crazy. You see that? Yeah, it's crazy, no. and they run it with him, and it works almost every time. He had a huge like forty-eight yard gain to set up our second touchdown. He had two touchdowns off of it, or actually one touchdown off of it. Uh, caught two touchdowns. He's just he's everywhere. And the thing I like about him is, he, I guess he was a running back in high school, so it's kind of like you know how Wit takes position, players at different positions and puts them where he yeah. best feels they can succeed, and that's what happened with Keithy. He's, he's, he's got a different skill set than most tight ends. He's really good with the ball in his hands. And you mentioned it a couple podcasts ago, like some of the moves he makes in open field. You know, 
Uh-huh. He just he's just good with the ball in his hand and and uh, he's exciting. He's fun to watch and he's got a little moxie to him. That's like, dude, we haven't had a tight. I, I I think he'll go down as our best tight end ever. I think he's, you know, he's only a sophomore and he he just looks awesome. So it was uh it was a fun yeah. game. ABC. Uh, I rewatched the broadcast. It's just just cool to see all the screen, you know, the shots of the mountains and the lights and downtown and uh-huh. the blimp and everything. It was just it was a lot of fun. But another one I want to point out is. I'm glad these guys ended their career with Utah this way because they came in, you know, the Hallandell trio came in mm-hmm. with a lot of hype. Tyler Huntley was the Florida Gatorade Player of the Year. Zach Moss had been committed to Miami and was looking at Tennessee and chose Utah. And so they kind of came in as a group, and we had a lot of hype for them, and they all ended their 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 careers at home at Utah with awesome games. Zach Moss had a touchdown. He didn't have a dominating performance, but he had a touchdown. Damari Simpkins had a punt return for a touchdown as well as a few catches, and Tyler Huntley was his typical efficient self. So those three who came in, Went out on the on a on a high note and setting us up for this week, which and I don't think it's an overstatement, will be the biggest game in the history of Utah football this Friday night because what's at what's in the store or what's on uh what's on the line, uh, Alabama lost right before the Utah game knocked them out of playoff mm-hmm. contention and now as I've said before, if the three undefeateds win out, it comes down to now two teams for this spot, Utah and Oklahoma, and it's been really interesting to see. The the perspectives of people all around the country this week discussing the two because you have people on both sides of the fence. You have writers who are saying Utah's the better team. You have writers who are saying Colorado's the better team. You have fans of all teams arguing and fighting about it, and it's it's just crazy to be in this position to know that Utah with one loss is competing with freaking Oklahoma with one loss for the playoff spot. One of the premier brands in all of college football. One of the blue bloods, the you know, one of the top five, six teams in the history of college football to be competing with them for a playoff spot. It's just surreal, and it's freaking exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. But our guy, we shouted him out already before, but White Soup, Kyle Campbell, he pointed out uh, – Last night, yesterday, and this this the funny thing is I have two drafts in my tweet draft folder, that saying the same thing, but I couldn't figure out how to word it just right and not be like super condescending and and like calling everyone out or stirring everyone up. But it's been for BYU fans watching this unfold, it's funny because we are used to seeing, and and by now those of us that are in this big like Twitter community that know each other pretty well, we all know who we are, you know. And so the same people that will always call out a BYU fan criticizing Utah in a quote tweet and be like, look at this idiot, this and that. Those same people, they're no longer engaging with BYU fans. They're engaging with, uh, you, you said, Alabama fans, uh, Oklahoma fans. Uh, who else? Even I haven't seen Baylor pop up, but but he. <laughs> it's just so funny to see that we've been replaced. That like BYU fans are no longer in all the mentions. Like we're just sitting here watching this unfold. And so he said something like, "Well, now the nation gets to see what we deal with all the time." And I totally get it. I get it. I get what he's saying. You know. And I. That's the thing is, I had. I've been trying to say the same thing, just hadn't refined it just right. <laughs> Two things. Kyle's basically become an honor member, honorary third member of this podcast with how often yeah. we reference him. You know, and, We should uh, figure out how to do a three-way uh, FaceTime call because that's the technology be, we use here. That, yeah, that would be fun. So, Kyle, another shout-out. Appreciate all you do. Second, I vehemently disagree with you because, listen, 
we are in this bubble where we hate BYU, yeah. BYU hates Utah, and <laughs> and the flaws of the opposite team is completely magnified. You go to any freaking rivalry in this country, Michigan, Ohio State, uh-huh. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, it's the same thing. They have their little pocket groups where they've kind of crossed over, where they have some friends on the other side, and, they, and I guarantee you Alabama fans are thinking, okay, everyone gets to see finally what we deal with with Auburn fans. And Oklahoma yeah, State yeah. like, oh, finally, everyone gets to see what we deal with Oklahoma fans. And it's just – the fact of the matter is most fans are the same. We're the same freaking region of the country. We we are the same type of people. We just cheer, as Jerry Seinfeld said, for laundry, right? Different right, color right. of laundry is what we cheer for. So when, when you guys are rejoicing in the fact that, oh, everyone gets to deal with Utah fans, dude, the funny thing <laughs> is, too, BYU fans have somehow inserted themselves in all these conversations. You go to any yeah, yeah. any national writer that's tweeted anything about Utah, and you look at his mentions. There's two or three BYU fans fighting him about Utah's yeah. schedule. So, by, by by Kyle's point that the nation gets to see what what you have to deal with Utah fans, I'm feeling the same way. But the opposite, people get to see what we deal with the BYU fans. Except the difference is, <laughs> it's, you're fighting against us, you know, because of our hoping we don't make the playoff. So it's just it's just a funny dynamic. Because yeah. At the end of the day, we're all the free. No, team. I, and and that's why it's like you have to really word this carefully. I'm not at all saying like Utah fans are bad because of this, or somehow the worst fans in the country, or anything like that. Like if the tables were turned and it was BYU fighting for that fourth spot, like I'm, it would be the exact same way. I'm not. I'm not saying that like there's something uniquely wrong with Utah fans. It's just that the watching the conversation unfold, it's like. We're no longer the ones being quote tweeted all the time, and it's like, and I've heard so many U fans be like, "Get a load of this idiot from Oklahoma! Can you believe this yeah. guy?" And it's like, "Hey, that used to be us." <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it's funny. Twitter's a funny yeah. dynamic. It's a funny it is, world, it is. right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, mm. so uh, okay, so big, big, big game this week. I'm flying out for it here yes. the next couple days here. I've been checking the weather, which kind of sucks. It looks like it's going to rain a lot that day. So field conditions and sloppiness could play a factor in it. And and I think I think that you know I, I think about it. It might it could help Utah because we have a really you know we'd like to establish the run first. But Oregon mm. has has a lot of speedy backs and does a lot of running out of different formations too. So I don't think it really favors anybody to be honest. I think what it'll well, do is if it's sloppy, it will it will prevent like Herbert and Huntley from slinging the ball around. But I don't think it's a it's a advantage to anybody i think if someone hadn't been paying attention they'd say it's obviously going to favor oregon because it rains all the time in oregon but those of us that have paid attention utah's had quite a few rainy games this year at least two that i can think of they're like really really sloppy weather two things i've been to a game in oregon and one of their little traditions is the announcer says before the game it never rains in otson stadium and everyone cheers because it's you know it's kind of their funny little (laughs) thing anyway so no they don't deal with rain because it never rains there but two yeah utah's had We've, is that a joke, or does it really not rain in that part of the no, state? It, it's a joke. It, they're just saying oh, it never. Okay. Yeah, it never gotcha. rains in Austin Stadium. You know, that's the thing. It never rains there. Anyway, yeah. uh, but as far as weather, Utah's had some really crazy weather games this year. We we know the BYU game at the beginning of the year got stopped because of water and lightning. Right. Uh, then the following yeah. two home games, it was like we we're playing on the surface of the sun. It was like. 2,000 uh-huh. degrees there. I remember I got burned both days. But then after that, we had rain games against Washington State and a rain game against, I believe it was, Arizona State. So, yeah, we, we've dealt with a lot of rain games this year. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it'll be interesting to see uh, see how that unfolds. And, and, yeah, you can picture 
Zagmoss just rumbling through people. Hey, I got to bring up, he seemed, now all of BYU fans that were watching, we kind of changed the channel when our game came on. I didn't see. <laughs> we got this is a our fan off the street segment. Our fan off the street segment. Yeah, he. Um, this is just for me to talk into. Um, Zach Moss. It seemed like he did not get did not get things going. Man, this guy's great on road trips. So, like I was saying, is is Zach Moss never really got going? It was um, it was crazy because he finished with eighty eight total yards, and he had a couple runs the last quarter that were at eight ten yards. But I've never seen a team bottle him up like the like they did. He just had no room to run. He was getting tack, he was getting gank tackled in the line of scrimmage, and he just never really opened it up like he has all year. Um, and even even Huntley was under pressure quite a bit. They they really I don't know what they were doing to to negate our offensive line and blocking schemes, but they were they were giving us fits, especially in the first half. Uh, but Moss ended with a touchdown. He had a, you know eighty eight yards, and so it was uh, it was a good way for those three to go out, but. Yeah, so. so do you credit that more towards something Colorado did right rather than something that could possibly be wrong with Zach Moss? I just think, yeah, I think Colorado had some sort of um, rushing scheme that they, they brought some linebackers in different ways and stunned, stunning blitzes and things like that. I don't know. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Zach Moss. He's Once he got room, he, okay. he, can, he can rumble. Uh, but he just wasn't getting room. It's crazy. He, he, yeah. but he's, he's fine mm. going to the game. But, yeah, man, so – Rain could play a factor in this game. Um, the thing that's super frustrating is the way it was building up was going to be almost like a play-in game to the playoff if if, if Oregon hadn't screwed it up. Uh, it would have been, yeah. at this point, probably for the fifth-ranked Ducks versus the sixth-ranked Utes, and it would have been billed as you know, a playoff play-in game, and it would have been super hyped. But as we know, Oregon screwed it up, and Arizona State lost there. And the thing is, I, I, I've, been th- I've been feeling – for the last six, seven weeks, that Oregon was not nearly as good as their ranking, but I wanted to be the team mm-hmm. to 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 tear it down, you know. But even this, they they struggled with they struggled with Oregon State this last week at home. They barely won by yeah. two touchdowns, and and it was a one score game in the fourth quarter. Uh, they lost to Arizona State the week before. They needed a last second field goal to beat Washington State at home, and these are all teams we destroyed, just annihilated. And so Oregon's got the premier name with Justin Herbert, who's probably going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. But last Mm -hmm. year against Justin Herbert, we figured out how to shut him down. And I I expect something similar. I expect us to go in first quarter and a half, maybe at halftime be a close three-, four-point game. But I think third quarter, fourth quarter, we pull away and win by two or three touchdowns. Our D is just suffocating. And I've said it all year long how awesome our defense is, and I've been backed up by some actual metrics. Pro Football Focus released our all-conference Pac-12 team and on defense, Benji, uh-huh. can you guess how many Utes were on the 11-team defense? I'm going to guess seven. S- yes! You are a <laughs> genius. Seven first-team selections out of 11. That, yeah. That I don't know if that's happened ever anywhere, but it's never happened in the Pac-12, I can promise you that. And seven out of 11, that's almost That's like the freaking entire defense. So our defense is yeah. stacked. And and uh, I think we just I think we the best analogy I've heard about Utah defense and I love it is they're like a python they'll slowly wrap their way around you and then when they've got you they will slowly suffocate the shiz out of you and so the first quarter you know we we often give up a drive or a score in the first quarter that is like what is that but we mm-hmm. we just kind of figure our way out once we've got you wrapped up we suffocate you to where we just 
choke you out. And I think that's what we'll do against Oregon. I don't think Oregon's that great. I think even at 10, 11, 12, they're a bit overrated. And so I think we win big. And it's going to be – I've said this on Twitter. I, the, the most important thing for me, yes, I want the playoffs, obviously. Mm-hmm. That would be great. If we don't have the playoffs and we go to the Rose Bowl – that will be a little bit of a letdown at first, but I'll still be pumped. But most importantly for me is I want that Pac-12 championship. I want it because yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not easy to win, man. I mean, UCLA, with all their advantages in Southern California, they haven't won a Pac-12 title in over 20 years. Arizona's won one in their history, and it was like mm-hmm. a three-way split. So I want to be able to get that that title, that Pac-12 championship. Anything after that, I'll be okay with. But I just want yeah. – I want, I got we got to win this game. It's going to be fun. So – Turning our our attention to the playoff race, let's say I expect Oklahoma and Baylor to be close. That whichever team wins is going to win within a score. How many points does Utah need to beat Oregon by to say neither of those teams belong? We belong. I think the way the committee has ranked us so far, if Oregon was going to jump us, and we'll know that the new rankings come out tonight, and these are super important. If Oregon jumps us tonight. Or Oklahoma. Oklahoma jumps us tonight. Yeah. yeah, if Oklahoma jumps us tonight, I don't know if uh, if we can recover. But I mean, they they haven't jumped us yet. I I think as long as we win semi convincingly by 10, 12, 14 points, where we we don't look just completely ridiculous, where it's a slop. Like last year's Pac twelve title game was a mess. Washington won 10-3 on a pick six. If it's another game like that, that will open the door for Oklahoma to jump us. But if we go in and we we win semi-convincingly 10, 12 points, I think that'll be enough to keep us in front. Because at that point, you're splitting hairs. It's like, yeah. oh, Baylor's number seven, Oregon's number 11, four spots, whatever, you know? Um, right. So I, I, I think if, Oregon, if Oklahoma's a jump us, it's got to be we play a sloppy game and Oklahoma dominates. But I don't think Oklahoma's going to because their last four games, they're three and one, they've lost one. And their other three games... They won by one score or less, and they were the teams that were kind of crappy. TCU's yeah. not bowl eligible. They barely beat TCU. They barely beat Iowa State. Iowa State went for a two-point conversion to win it. It's at Oklahoma. And, uh-huh. I mean, so they've all been close, sloppy games. So if you take a step back, you can you can pour through their resumes with a fine-tooth comb. Oh, they beat a ranked team. They're 2-1 and one against teams that have got seven wins or more. Their strength of schedule is 64. There's a 65. All that crap. You can If you just step back, and I know I'm biased, but – I've seen other people say this too, some national guys. If you step back and just look at the teams, Utah just is better. They look better. They're dominating mm. everyone they play, and they have for eight straight weeks. Yeah, yeah. Oklahoma, their last four games is three and one, and they're squeaking by teams. Utah just looks better. It's crazy to say, but I think people need to get out of their mind the brand name of Oklahoma. They yes, they are a brand name, but that's what, not what we're comparing. We're comparing Team A versus Team B this year. You know, and Utah's mm-hmm. got seven freaking NFL starters this year, a defense that's suffocating this year, and Oklahoma doesn't. And Team A versus Team B, I think Utah's better than Oklahoma this year. Yeah. I I would agree, and I would add to that. I Again, coming back to the teams we love, we expect the potential. I know Utah's potential, and I've seen a couple games that Oregon has played in. I think it's fully possible that Utah blows Oregon out by 30 points. And at that point, if Utah gets kept out and Oklahoma or Baylor get in and they don't have a, a blowout win, it will be chaos. People will riot. People will revolt. But but I, I expect that to happen. I think Utah controls their own destiny. They don't really. But I think if they really destroy Oregon, you can't keep them out. 
Dude, and, and you know what? Listen, you 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 keep you're speaking to my soul right now, my friend. You're speaking to my soul right now. But you you are factual. If we blow Oregon out, we can't keep him out. And, and you look at comparative scores, and I hate comparative scores because there's so many there's so many you know nuances. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of the way you examine a team. They barely beat Oregon State. We killed them, fifty-two to seven. They barely beat Cal by a couple points. We killed Cal. They barely beat Wazoo with the last second field goal. We freaking killed Wazoo. They lost to Arizona State. We killed Arizona State. You know, the difference is yeah. they killed USC and we got beat by USC. But yeah. those are played at different times of the year, early in the year, late in the year. Bottom line is, you're right. I think personally, if this were a home game and just a regular game against Oregon at home, I think we do win dominating fashion, thirty points or more. But when mm-hmm. it's a neutral side game and it's a championship game, there's just a different feeling. Maybe p- people elevate their play because it's it's winner take all, you know. So that's why I think it could be closer. But just X's and O's and Team A versus Team B on a, on a, if Utah's playing at home, they would kill them. But dude. I don't know. Maybe we could roll. We could go in there roll, but you never know. The turnovers are the great neutralizer. If it's wet and sloppy, who knows? Yeah. The, a Kyle Whittingham motivated team or a motivated Kyle Whittingham team rarely doesn't show up. You know, I mean, Kyle, what's he motivated for? Bowl games and rivalry games. And how does he do? Pretty good. Dominates. And uh, yep. I, I think I think they're going to be just fine. But it's easy for me to just say that and like sit back and not care because uh, I'll be happy either way, <laughs> you know. Well, you look at you look at like, I mean, I look at the ten year anniversary of this uh, Sugar Bowl. You know, uh, people are like, oh my gosh, Alabama, mm-hmm. they were twelve and zero, undefeated all year. This Utah team from the Mountain West, they'll get murdered. And Utah came out and freaking rammed it down their freaking throat and went twenty one nothing halfway through the freaking first quarter, just dominating. So you're right, Kyle Whittingham, when the stakes are high. And he has something big on the line. And they usually show up. I mean, there's been times last year against Washington. We just, but we had our backups. And anyway, that's neither mm-hmm. here nor there. But I, I think you're right. I think we could come out. And I think we make a statement. And I think it comes down to the fact that the four guys came back that were expected to leave: Zach Moss, Lucky Foto, Blackman, and Bradley and I. Four senior studs who tweeted, "Let's do the damn thing. We're coming back." And you know what? This weekend on Friday is when they do this damn thing. It is what they came back for. They did not come back to sit back and go to the freaking Alamo Bowl, all right? They came back for this very freaking reason. And this team, I've said it all year, is different. Not only are they senior-led, but they are senior leaders. They are focused individuals. They they know what they're playing for. So I think, man, I think you're right. I think we win big. I don't know if we win by 30, but I think we win big. And, dude, that's the thing. You get this team in the playoff if they make it. I dude, I I think Ohio State's really the only one we can't beat. I think they're just too good on both sides of the ball. But I think LSU's got deficiencies on defense. I think and Clemson hasn't been tested lately, so who knows? But I think we can. I think we'll make some noise in the playoffs too. I'm not saying we'll win, but at that point, you got four of the best teams in the country, so any either team could win. But I don't know, man. I just I just want the chance because. I look back at all these other years we've had. 04, when we played the Fiesta Bowl, we never really knew. We played a crappy pit team. 08, we beat a really good Bama team. But it's like, dude, put us, give us a chance against the best of the best. And that's what we're supposed to have in the Pac-12 is a chance against the best of the best. So I hope and pray that if we win, we get that chance. I'm I'm excited to listen to this podcast because you're totally cutting out like crazy right now, and I could tell how passionate and loud you are. But I'm hearing like one out of every five words, so I'm gonna tune in and figure out what you're saying. But uh, but yeah, feel the passion. 
are you there? <laughs> yeah, right. man, it's uh, it's uh, yeah. Sir, you can keep be, going on and on. I just, uh, uh, I'll have fun. to tune in and, and so. find out what you're saying. <laughs> That's a mystery. That's the, the beauty of this podcast. We have no idea the other person's saying. We just see their mouth moving, and then we just pretend like it and go. You know. So anyway, big gulps, huh? Yeah, you're totally gone now, which which might be a good place to wrap it up. We're about 45 minutes. Um, Chris Peterson retire or stepping down, maybe temporarily retiring. That's kind of an interesting twist. I don't. You might still be talking. I don't know if if you can hear me or not. Um, so that, yeah, how about that? Yeah, kind of a bombshell, man, because uh, he's been owning the Pac-12 the last few years, and uh, he just uh, just up and announced he's retiring. But dude, this this game grinds you up and spits you out. You have people like Urban Meyer who left Bob Stoops, who left in his fifties. Now, Chris Peterson, it's dude. It's, we talk about stress. You and I, we have stressful jobs, but nothing like that where it's like the whole world watching everyone telling you how bad you suck. If you're not perfect, you know? And so I, I imagine after 40 years of coaching 30, whatever it's been 30 years of coaching, it's probably like, dude, forget this. A lot of people just like want to get out. So I don't blame him. So anyway, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's make our prediction yeah. for this Pac-12 title yeah, game. I, I, and then we'll, They'll move on to bowl game next podcast. So uh, I got, like I said, I got Utah coming in, taking a little bit to wrap up their prey like a like a like a python. All right, away well, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I really can't hear anything from you anymore. So maybe that's a good place to wrap it up. Go ahead and share your final thoughts. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to do. Okay, Utes by tw- by fourteen, baby. We take down the Ducks, and we are the Pac twelve champions. That is what's going to happen. Next week's podcast, we'll be celebrating the Pac-12 championship and talking about whether we're in the playoffs or the Rose Bowl. That's my prediction. Go Utes. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up on my end. You go ahead and keep talking and saying whatever you want. Till next time, go Cougs.